Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Friday, January the 12th. And welcome to our to our commentary. Before we get into the current events, I just wanted to, to say something about Rush Limbaugh. Uh, today, January the 12th, would have been Rush Limbaugh's 73rd birthday. He was born in 1951 in Missouri. He passed away, uh, I believe it was in February of 2021. You may remember that... Uh, uh, he had a diagnosis of lung cancer, a pretty bad one, I guess, and uh, passed away in about a year after he told us about the cancer. But I bring him up today because I think everybody who has ever done this, you know, what I'm doing now, podcasting, who's ever done a radio show, and I've done that too, I, I think anybody who's ever done this realizes how influential Rush Limbaugh was to uh, to people who who podcast or do radio shows. I mean, Rush Limbaugh was really the, the number one when it came to uh, talk radio. He came into uh, into talk radio, I believe, in the 1980s. I came to know Rush in 89, 80, 90, in that time frame, and was a huge fan. Listened to his show all the way to the very last show that he did, not realizing, of course, that it would be his last uh his last show, but the man was fantastic behind the microphone. He knew how to relate to an audience better than just about anybody else who's ever done this. So we remember Rush Limbaugh today on what would have been his 73rd birthday. You know, I still, when I think about that, how young he was when he passed away, he had just turned 70. And, uh, you know, it's funny because when I when I see all the problems that we're having in the country, all these differences, uh, I always think of Rush. You know, what would he be saying about this? And I'm sure he would have a lot of things to say about uh, about what's going on in the country. I will tell you this, and I don't know if anybody can, has come up with this or not, but I think it would be fantastic if there was a a place you could go once in a while. You don't have to do it every day, but once in a while, a place you could go. And just listen to Rush, you know, every once in a while and get some of that magic of Rush Limbaugh. And I used to love not just his commentary, but I used to love these little sketches that he would do, these comedy sketches uh, that he would do. He was just absolutely, absolutely great. So we remember, we remember Rush Limbaugh uh, today. You know, there's a very big story developing in Eagle Pass, Texas. The, the governor of Texas has decided to basically take over uh, the Border Patrol station there in Eagle Pass. His argument is that the Biden administration is, is not doing enough or anything, really, to stop illegal immigration. So he's taken a very drastic step, really, and using governor emergency powers to do that. Of course, a lot of people are screaming that he cannot do this. Of course he can do it. He can do it as governor. He can do uh, a lot of things uh, as governor. Uh, using his emergency powers. But the question is, is this the right thing? Not so much whether he can do it or not. Of course he can do it, but is he doing the right thing? And in my opinion, he is. I think Governor Abbott, like many of us, have simply reached the point where we don't believe that the Biden administration is serious about taking the correct measures on the border. I have no idea what they're thinking in the White House. I have no idea what they're going through, what's going through their heads. But, you know, this total collapse and dereliction of duty on the border is just absolutely crazy. Okay, absolutely crazy. And it's doing a lot of harm to the country. Just talk to the mayor of New York City, talk to the mayor of Chicago, 
uh, talk to the Democrat governor of Arizona, and of course, talk to the people who live on the border. This is doing a tremendous damage uh, to the country because this should not be happening. This idea that somebody shows up on your border and you give them a piece of paper and then they see a judge six years later, that, that's not what uh, asylum is supposed to be. That's simply not uh, the intent or what this was supposed to be about. So I think the governor is right on this one. The governor is right. Now, I'm sure it'll go to the Supreme Court and we'll see what the Supreme Court says. I don't recall ever a case like this before where the, the Supreme Court uh, was asked or to look into what is essentially uh, a dispute between a state and the federal government over the federal government's uh, inability or better put, unwillingness to protect the border. I'm anxious to hear what the Supreme Court has to say. I would not be surprised if the Supreme Court sides with Texas and says, hey, look, you know, in the absence of federal responsibility, uh, we agree that Texas uh, can do this. So th this is headed for the Supreme Court, I'm sure, uh, pretty soon here in the next uh, few weeks. Now, one of the consequences, and nobody talks too much about this, but one of the consequences of this crazy border policy has been the human trafficking that is going on all around the world. I mean, Mexico has become an avenue for human trafficking to the United States. And it has also, the situation on on the U.S.-Mexico border has really emboldened uh, the cartel and criminal elements in the world. And you're seeing right now in the country of Ecuador, a little country in South America to the north, I think they're, uh, you got Venezuela and you've got uh, Colombia on, uh, on, another, on the other side, and you've got Ecuador. Let me say hello to my friend, uh, Super Pilot. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, you have right now in Ecuador a challenge to the sovereignty and the government of that small country. And why is this happening? Because the cartels have been emboldened by the policies, re really by the U.S.-Mexico border, it has emboldened them into, uh, into what they are. Now, there are other factors as well in Ecuador, but you know we have got to, to, to really understand the impact that this is all having uh, in Latin America. There's a great editorial, by the way, today in the Dallas Morning News uh, talking about what's happening in Ecuador and really calling on the United States government to support the government of Ecuador in this uh, horrible situation there on the on the border. Let's talk a little bit. I have a post over at the American Thinker today, uh, Friday morning. You can read it at AmericanThinker.com. But I've got a post about this woman, Fannie Willis, in Georgia. Now, for those of you who may not know the name Fannie Willis, uh, Fannie Willis is the district attorney who is uh, supervising or overseeing this investigation of President Trump and the 2020 elections. It's uh, it's all based on a RICO case. I think that's the the argument that they're they're going after Trump and some of his uh, allies there in Georgia. And it's a case that may or may not make it to the courts. Uh, it's a complicated case. Uh, some people tell me it's a good case. Other people tell me it, it's not a good case. I honestly don't know whether it's good or bad. I know that they're obviously, you know, going after President Trump there in Georgia for what happened uh, in the 2020 election. Well, it turns out that Fannie Willis, the lady who is overseeing this, uh, got into trouble, uh, marital problems. She was apparently going out or dating or having an affair with a married man. 
in her staff. Now, that's not the first time that's happened, nor is it going to be the last time. So, you know, you can always, uh, uh, you know, you, unfortunately, these are things that are going to happen in a uh, in the real world. But the problem is that the guy she was having an affair with is one of the people on her staff overseeing this case. And there are allegations that money was spent, uh, that public money was spent in some of their vacations and some of the things that they were doing together. And there's also a very serious allegation that this guy went to the Biden White House to talk to the Biden White House about this case or how to prepare for this case in Georgia. So I don't know how this is all going to end up, uh, but uh, this entire case could be thrown out just because of the arrogance, really, of Fannie Willis and the incompetence of, uh, of what she's doing. So this is going to get interesting. I think there's going to be a lot more. And I believe that the governor of, of uh, Georgia today said that, yes, it might not be a bad idea to take a look at, at uh, the integrity of what she did. So keep an eye on this. I don't think this is the last time that we'll hear something about Fannie Willis and her problems there in the, in the state of Texas. I've got a post uh, coming out tomorrow where I talk a little bit about young people and their political passions. And you may remember a gentleman by the name of Reed Teixeira. He was the one who almost 20 years ago wrote a book about how uh, demographics were going to be very helpful to the Democratic Party, meaning the Democratic Party would become a majority party just by the sheer demographics of the United States as more and more uh, Hispanics and young people would vote Democrat and, and women, then that would create, in essence, a permanent majority of Democrats in the United States. Well, over the last few years, he's been backing away from that. And now, you know, he has a, uh, a very interesting article that I talk about in my post uh, on Saturday morning, where he's basically looking at young people and saying, you know, young people are not as Democrat as we think they are. And there are all kinds of different reasons. Uh, for example, young people, yes, they believe in climate change, but they don't believe that we should, let's say, shut down fossil fuels. Uh, yes, they, uh, they believe in, you know, they're more liberal, let's say, on, on some issues, but that doesn't mean they want their, uh, their sister competing with a man uh, on the swimming team. So a lot of things like that that are interesting that are, you know, the Democrats have always assumed that the young people were going to vote for them. And I think what Reed Teixeira is saying in this article is not so fast. You're still going to get many of them, but you're not going to get as many as you thought you were going to get. So check out my post. It will be out uh, on uh, on Friday, uh, Saturday morning, excuse me. It will be out on Saturday morning. Just a quick word on these uh, airstrikes in Yemen. Look, I, I think it's a good move. I think we should be striking these... Uh, these organizations. My question is, are we doing enough? And the more and more that you look at this situation, the more and more than you realize that the real culprit here is Iran. Iran is the culprit. And sooner or later, we're going to have to deal with Iran. I don't know how else to say it. Sooner or later, we're going to have to deal with Iran, a country that has frankly been a menace and an enemy of the United States uh, since these people took over in 1979. I mean, my entire life, we've been talking about Iran. And I think at some point, we're going to have to deal with it and deal with it in a very harsh way. 
Uh, I remember in 1988 when President Reagan took out their Navy and basically castrated them from the standpoint of, you know, attacking ships in the Mediterranean and so on. We may have to do something like that again, just to eliminate them as a source of trouble, if you will, in that uh, in that region. A couple of things on this day in history. Well, I mentioned Rush Limbaugh, who was born on this day in 1951. But the Beatles on this day in 1963, that would have been 61 years ago, the Beatles released the 45 called Please Please Me that became their first huge hit uh, in the UK. It went number one. It sold a million copies, and it really created uh, the whole legend of the Beatles. Now, it was a huge hit in England. It was not a hit in the United States. It really took another year for the Beatles to get to the United States when they appeared on, on the Ed Sullivan show, and they released I Want to Hold Your Hand. But for much of 1963, you know, the Beatles were scoring huge hits and selling millions of records in the UK, and nobody was listening to them in the United States. But they released the song, Please Please Me, on this day in 1963, and it became their first number one in the UK and their first million seller as well. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. Go Cowboys, and uh, we will talk to you later.